the end is nigh. People is, it was always, the end is nigh. And indeed, when we visited Scotland a number of years ago, you would see signs posted along the roadway saying, prepare to meet thy God. Again, another sort of out of context verse sort of just, the end is nigh. This is not necessarily what you would think of for a New Year's message, right? We're coming into a, a new year of possibilities. People are, are looking forward to putting this last year behind us. Anybody else? Anybody? And looking forward to the new year to come. Possibilities are endless, and yet I'm coming to you and saying the end is... But I think for a lot of folks in here, even the book of Revelation is a weird choice to, to choose to preach from, right? It's a, sort of an odd book. It's intense with its imagery of celestial battles of dragons and beasts and angels. It all seems like something out of a sci-fi show or a, or a... Indeed, we often avoid this book altogether in an attempt to sort of sidestep some of the interpretive challenges as well as bypass the abuses. This book has been used and weaponized in a way that God intended it not to be used. But all this aside... Revelation itself, or also as we call it, the apocalypse. That's an apocalypse. It's a highly symbolic work. It pictures what was for John in his time and what was happening in the Roman Empire, what was happening for the churches of Asia Minor. But it also was looking forward to God's plan being worked out in the world. It was a peak behind the heavenly curtain, so to speak. And I think that Revelation really deserves our utmost attention because it illuminates God's final working out of all things, Jesus Christ, a recreation of the cosmos as the final consummation, the final realization of God's reign. And like I said, we enter with our reading this morning at the pinnacle of John's vision, at the, the very height of the beauty and majesty that he's trying to con- Our text this morning, when I was studying, really raises three note here. So I'm going to make a note about perspective. But central to the Christian ideas of the world, the, the ideas that we find in this book is a claim about the end and goal of history. Let me say it again. Central to the Christian worldview of history. We see in Scripture that there will be a total recreation of all things under God's reign. John gives us this imagery in the vision, I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heavens and the first earths have passed away. The old, the broken, the evil, all has passed away, and things, all that was left was being transformed into something. This harkens back to Genesis, doesn't it? In the beginning... God created the heavens and things. But this time it's different. It's a new, a new kind of heavens and earth. It's nothing like what would come before. And this is not something that we see unique in John as if he just popped up and said, this is what's going to happen. No, but this was prophesied years and years and decades and decades and generations before Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel all saw this final end when God would come to be with us and recreate all this 
sight of the new Jerusalem. In the text, it's really a crowning of the recreation. It's, it's the, the cherry on top of the, of the cake. But lest we get weighted down in the imagery, I want to tell you that it's symbolic. It's symbolic of heaven coming to earth. The old boundaries that keep God away from us pass away and all becomes one. John sees a new reality coming into being where the vestiges of the old. With this vision, again, we see the end and goal of history, the culmination of God's working, God's plan. We see the end from the beginning. And all that can come of that is a change. We can only look at the world differently because we know where it's heading. text is that this recreation is not something that's isolated for the human race, but it is characterized by God coming with us, fully present. This new reality shows God coming down. Again, symbolic imagery, we don't necessarily believe God is up there and we're down here, right? God is everywhere. But in this imagery, God is literally breaking through the boundaries that we have set to be God with us. God will dwell with them, knackle with us. God will pitch his tent with us. We find this language in the beginning of the book of John, in the beginning among us, tabernacled with us. And so taking these two things together, we see that just as what was begun in Jesus comes to its fullness in this vision, that God will be God with and for us. It's Emmanuel in its fullest sense. But God being with us also means God is for God. God's self will be with them and be their God. It's It's a language of a covenant relationship. He will be your God. He will come to be with us, and in the fullest sense, you will know experience. The lived experience of those in that day will be what we have now in Jesus Christ, relationship with the Father. Nothing will separate us truly in our lived experiences from the love of And at the same time, because of God's nearness to us, all wrongs and all brokenness will be put away. In God's presence, death can be no more. There was a whole wonderful scene of, of God casting death and hell and the devil down into the lake of fire, you know, the very dramatic imagery. But it's God putting away all those things that separate him. There's no more need for tears, for mourning, because these first things, all that cause this, this new. I am making all things new. It's not a natural process as if the universe is put into motion and eventually all things will be new and death will be no more. But instead, it is God who is doing that work. The claim about history that I made at the beginning, that claim that's central to our creed, it's sustained and accomplished by one person. And everyone should know the answer. That person is... It originates in, is sustained by, and is accomplished by Jesus Christ. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was before all time. He was there. In the beginning was the Word. All things were made through him. 
Everything that is and everything that will be comes from him. He was. In time, he came to be God with us. Born in a manger as a baby, the eternal God come down. He lived the perfect life of obedience to God, loving God and loving neighbor as we have been called to be. And in time, he willingly gave up his life, taking on the sins of the world, all that brokenness, all that death, on to himself. And instead, he rose from the dead. And he ascended and is reigning now in heaven. And at the end of time, Christ will come again. He will come again to make all things right, giving freely to those who thirst, giving life and life eternal, and granting an eternal inheritance. All of that, that new creation that John saw, all of that will be given to those who... We should also note that this whole plan is worked out by God alone. It has nothing to do with what we do necessarily. We can't by our prayers, by our electing certain people into government, by in the world in a certain way, we can't bring about God's reign. God is doing that. God is doing that as we speak, as it seems like the world is falling down around us and there is nothing to come. God is bringing all things under and recreating. I am making good. But the question is, what in the world that mean for us? That's great that sometime in the future, God is going to come back and everything's going to be made right. And now we just have to sit tight and twiddle our thumbs until Jesus returns. It's like it's falling down around us. You know it. You turn on the news, you listen to NPR, and it looks like everything is going to hell in a hand. Nothing is as it should be. You can hear almost the cries of creation yearning for redemption, wars, and rumors of wars. We see violence and chaos, and it's not just out there, it's in here. It's in our own communities, it's within us. But this vision, this seeing history and what is to come puts all of that in a different light. We never need to give up hope. We never need to move into apathy or overload, or nihilation from the beginning. God is bringing all things under his. This also means that we can move forward in obedience to God, no kingdom. I don't know about you, but if you said to me, you are in charge of bringing God's reign on earth by loving your neighbor, and if you don't love your neighbor perfectly, God's reign's not going to come. That's a burden. But we know that God is doing this work on his own, not alone, but on his own. And so we can move forward loving our neighbors, truly working for justice, making right the wrongs in this world, knowing that we don't have to measure up to any worldly success, but every small victory. And finally, what does this mean for us? It means we must trust Jesus. True. Christ is the one bringing all these things, even when it doesn't seem that way. Christ is bringing all these things, recreating the entire world, and he is coming back. Again, that doesn't mean that we sit tight and twiddle our thumbs. 
but that means that we can trust that what God has intended. Later in the service, we'll sing a hymn. We often sing it thinking of the baby, right? Him coming into the world. But now when we sing it, and really when we ever sing it, we sing with a greater anticipation, as come now, to make his will, things will be made new, when our hopes will be realized, when we'll see God, know God face to face, because he will be with fully and truly, Emmanuel in its fullest realization.